If you would turn to John chapter 10. And read along with me as I begin in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Father, your word is a treasure. It is filled with rich imagery and hope. And this morning as we study this passage, I pray, Lord, that you would allow each person here to see the richness, to see the treasure to experience the imagery of the Good Shepherd. Lord, may each person here intimately connect with you this morning as we read these words. And Father, please help me 
to teach your truth, to teach it well, that I might serve my friends. In Jesus' name, amen. John 10 is a wonderful chapter in it that it gives this striking portrait of Jesus Christ as the good shepherd and us as his sheep. It is wonderfully, I think, a unique fulfillment of John 1.14 where John writes, John the, the apostle writes that the word became flesh and dwelt among us And now we see in the person of a good shepherd, the good shepherd. Nowhere in Scripture is Jesus Christ portrayed more clearly as a good shepherd than in John 10. And for us to rightly understand this passage, we need to see it in connection to the story of the man born blind in chapter 9 and his mistreatment by those who were the spiritual leaders. This discourse of Jesus is in John 10 occurs immediately following what happened in John 9. Whether it was within a few hours, a few minutes, or, or even a few days, but it was very closely tied to this experience of the man who was born blind. And at the end of chapter 8 or chapter 9 and verse 41, Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. They have been bad shepherds. They have mistreated the blind man, as we see in, in chapter 9, where they cast him out of the synagogue in verse 34. They rejected him because he had come to faith in Christ, because he had become a disciple of Christ. And so they cast him out. They mistreat him. And Jesus then proceeds into this discourse in many ways to excoriate these Jewish leaders, these Pharisees, for the mistreatment of this man who was healed. Many Old Testament passages do the same. They excoriate the shepherds of Israel's day and they do it by contrasting that with a good shepherd. It's no coincidence that after these Jewish leaders fail so miserably in the case of the blind man, Jesus describes how a good shepherd does care for his sheep. God is a caring shepherd and that thought permeates the Old Testament. Time and time again, after centuries of failed leadership in the Old Testament, in Israel's history, God promised Israel through Jeremiah that he would give them shepherds after my own heart. In Ezekiel 34, God's condemnation of wicked shepherds is piercing, but at the same time, he also expresses his concern for the flock. Ezekiel 34, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You've not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. And Jesus, as he observes the treatment of this man who was born blind, He expresses 
he expresses his thoughts about these Jewish leaders and who they are. But more importantly, he reveals who he is as the good shepherd. Ezekiel promised that God would come personally to care for his flock. That promise came to fulfillment in Jesus Christ as the word became flesh and expressed through Jesus' shepherding love and care to a shepherdless community. And so as you might be aware, the title of this message is simply The Good Shepherd. And my proposition this morning is this, because Jesus is the Good Shepherd, He will give abundant life to those who know His voice, listen to His voice, and follow His voice. He will give abundant life As the good shepherd to those who know his voice, listen to his voice, and follow his voice. My main points are this. Three main points this morning. Jesus is the true shepherd who knows his sheep by name. Jesus is the only shepherd who can give his sheep life. And Jesus is the good shepherd who loves his sheep and dies for them. Verses 1 through 5, we see that Jesus is the true shepherd who knows his sheep by name. When we talk about sheep and shepherds, I think in our day and age, we are naturally handicapped by that. Now, if you talk to Andrew, who is raising chickens, he might get chickens, but sheep are not common to our society. We drive by in farming areas and we see sheep, and we do. I think our minds can tend to think about the Bible and sheep, but but we don't have any real experience when it comes to understanding sheep. And even more so in Western culture, when, when you look at what shepherding is like, in Western culture, sheep are driven there are sheepdogs that corral and move the sheep around and, and they're driven into a pen. Middle Eastern sheepherders led their sheep by their voice. They didn't drive their sheep. They spoke and the sheep followed because the sheep knew their voice. Now, in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. The, the sheepfold and the door that, that Jesus is speaking of is of a Middle Eastern shepherd, a Middle Eastern sheepfold. Jewish shepherds kept their sheep in two different kinds of sheepfold. One was a large communal corral in a town like the one mentioned here in a town or a village that was surrounded by a stone wall where a number of shepherds kept their flock. Not just one shepherd, one flock. You could have had three or four different flocks of sheep in that pen led by different shepherds. And there was a man who was hired to guard that door and only allow the shepherd in. And the thieves and the robbers, the only way they could get in to harm or steal the sheep was by climbing over the wall. Now, the thieves and robbers that 
that Jesus is referring to are simply the Jewish leaders of that day. That's who he's speaking of. They used to be the wicked shepherds of Ezekiel 34, and now they are the arrogant spiritual leaders who mistreated the blind man in John 9. And so this gatekeeper would guard the sheep at night. He would guard the sheep when they were in the pen. And the only person who would be allowed in would be the shepherd who the gatekeeper knew. It's ironic that these Jewish leaders who Jesus said were blind, now we see are deaf as well as Jesus makes this powerful statement about my sheep know my voice. And these Jewish leaders absolutely did not know his voice. It is in contrast to these men that Jesus speaks about who the true shepherd is, who the gatekeeper knows who the true shepherd is. Now picture this scene. The shepherd goes to this corral, this communal corral. There are hundreds, if not thousands of sheep milling about, loud and noisy. And he shows up at the gate. The gatekeeper recognizes the shepherd. The shepherd goes in and he sees these thousands of sheep. And he speaks. And he leads his sheep out of the sheep pen. Among all these different flocks, his sheep know his voice and follow after him. How, how could that be in such a communal setting? How could that be among such different, diverse sheep? Tim Laniac, who is a pastor who went to Israel to do a year-long study as he was working on his PhD. He was working on a, a PhD about shepherds, about Old Testament, New Testament, and current shepherds known as pastors today. And it's interesting what he writes about pastors, shepherds, and sheep. He said, after returning from a year of field interviews, I continued reading shepherd stories, occasionally from other regions in the world. The following account comes from a book about herders in India. In it, I find an authentic sentiment expressed by so many of the shepherds I had met personally in the Middle East. Three weeks ago, when we camped near the Kaneda train station, Garji fell asleep on guard duty that night. The poor man had just returned from his home and is still recovering from all the work his wife had made him do. (laughs) In the morning, Madrami found seven sheep missing from his flock. You ask how he knew exactly seven were missing out of more than 300? Well, Mata knows all his sheep by name. Don't smile. Each sheep has a name. And when Mata calls, they come running. And the same is true for all shepherds who are their mother's sons. Sheep know they belong to a shepherd. They are named, known, and counted every day. Naming usually takes place soon after birth, especially if there is some distinguishing characteristic. Picture spotty, brownie, fluffy ears, or short tail. Others are named for the birthplace or birthing experience. So one might be Hebron or another tough coming. 
As with the names for humans, some are changed because of a critical event or an identity that emerges over time. Think of the wanderer or the obstinate one. Naming is a powerful, tangible expression of the shepherd's intimate bond that begins at birth and grows through an animal's tenure with a flock. Once you begin to fathom how many times an animal may have been counted, checked, carried, nursed back to health, rescued, protected, milked, and shorn, it dawns on you why Bedouins always say they are family. Consider the remarkably intimate knowledge of a shepherd for the members of this extended family. The mothers, the mother sheep, which number 51, 42 sheep, and 9 goats, were kept back from the lambs by Fala and Salim while Nasser began to call them by name. And as each was allowed to come up, Nasser slipped the noose off the young one's neck and gave it to the mother. He knew every mother and every lamb. An astonishing thing was that he called up each ewe and picked out her lamb in complete darkness. All through the process of loosing the lambs, calling up the mothers and handing the baby to its dam to suckle. He was calling out name after name amidst the din of mothers buying and lambs crying for their food. To me, it was pandemonium. To Nassar and Fala, everyday procedure. He could recognize each mother and each baby by the feel with his eyes shut. All were black, but by feeling heads and backs, he knew by touch which was which. Verse 3, Jesus says, To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they Know his voice. Only the true shepherd knows the flock. What is so stunning in this passage is that the true shepherd, Jesus, knows every one of his sheep by name. I I hope you catch how profound a statement this is when it says here, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Are there times where you feel forgotten by the Lord? Are there times you feel as if God doesn't really know you or what is happening in your life? This passage makes a loud statement that Jesus is always aware of who you are and is always aware of what is going on in your life because he knows your name. He called you by name. God knew your name before you were born. Ephesians 1.4, before the foundation of the world, you were chosen by God. He knows your name. God knew what you were like and what your life would be like even before there was one day that you lived. Psalm 139, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written for me every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them 
He calls his own by name. He has called you by name. He is the true shepherd because only the true shepherd knows his sheep. Only the true shepherd can go into the sheepfold. Only the true shepherd can get the sheep to follow him. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow. In fact, they will flee from him because they do not know his voice. But the true shepherd, that's the voice his sheep know. And that's the voice you know. You know the voice of the Lord. You open up the Bible and you hear God speak. You stand in worship and you sing and you hear God speak. You receive counsel from a friend and you hear God speak. You are in the darkest moments of your life and God comes and speaks. You know His voice. The sheep hear his voice. The sheep know his voice. And the sheep follow his voice. It is so encouraging to know that we have this relationship with God, with Jesus the shepherd, that we know his voice and he knows our name. Kent Hughes said, if you are one of his sheep, that relationship is the foundational reality of your existence. It's the foundational reality of your existence. If you are one of his sheep, that is the most important relationship you have in your existence. Nothing is more important than that. Now, if you are not one of his sheep and you do not know his voice, I want you to know, as we will read later on, he says, anyone who comes... Anyone who comes through the door will be saved. Anyone who comes to him, he will not turn back. If you do not know Christ, if you come to him, he will not turn you away. If you come to him, you will learn his voice. You will know his voice and he will know you by name if you do not know him. Now, verse 6 is typical of Jesus' wonderful imagery and explanation about who he is. And he is speaking again to the Jewish leaders of the day. He has demonstrated his shepherding care. He's just healed this man who has been born blind from birth. He has gone to this man who has been cast out of the synagogue to care for him. He has demonstrated that he is the good shepherd. And their response is, you know, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. Again, They are blind and they are deaf. They are clueless leaders. They do not know who the true shepherd is. But you do. You know who the true shepherd is. Point two, verses seven through ten. Jesus is the only shepherd who can give his life for the sheep. Early on in my Christian life, I listened to a preacher describe how dumb, stupid, and ignorant sheep are 
as he related that to me as a new believer. Now, I didn't relate to that because I don't think I'm dumb and I don't think I'm stupid. And yes, I am ignorant at times, but his explanation about dumb, stupid, ignorant sheep didn't help me connect to Jesus Christ and being a sheep in God's pasture. Those are, they're just, what, I didn't quite get that. Similarly, I, I don't relate to, honestly, being the bride of Christ. I'm a guy, okay? I, 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 don't, I don't think about the things my wife and my girls thought about prior to their wedding day. Just say yes to the dress was torture to me when the girls were watching it, but not to them. I, I've never pictured myself in a beautiful wedding dress strolling down the aisle. I, I could care less about the colors of a wedding. When Marilyn and I were first dating, we went to a wedding and came home and her mom looked at me. Why me? I'll never know. She said, so what were the colors of the wedding? <laughs> the groom wore black and the bride wore white. And she just shook her head and turned to Marilyn. And then Marilyn, to her credit, described every flower in every bouquet and every color of every decoration, including the bridesmaids. I mean, she had seen it all. I, I don't relate like that. Now, nowhere in Scripture are God's people, when called sheep, described as dumb, ignorant, or stupid. But the Bible does provide a rich imagery as it portrays sheep. In Psalm 44, it portrays sheep as in danger of being slaughtered. In Psalm 100, it describes sheep as the sheep of God's pasture. In Psalm 78, it describes sheep as those guided by God in the wilderness. In Psalm 119, it describes the sheep as lost. In Ezekiel 34, it describes the sheep as food for wild beasts. In Isaiah 53, it describes the sheep as those who have gone astray. And in Matthew 9, it describes the sheep as those without a shepherd. What is most prominent in Scripture about sheep is that they cannot care for themselves and will perish without a shepherd. The sheep of Scripture cannot have life without the shepherd giving it to them through his provision and through his protection. Verse 7, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. The other type of sheep pen that I was talking about is a sheep pen that the shepherds had out in the wilderness, in the country. And it was a sheep pen that had a, a wall of low rocks that would surround the sheep and there would be just one small door opening where the sheep would go in and the, the shepherd would lay down in that opening at night protecting the sheep from coming, going out and from predators coming in. He would literally be the doorway of protection and Jesus is speaking of being that door. He, and, and in verse 8 as he goes on, he says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, he's talking about the wicked shepherds of Ezekiel 34. He's talking about the, the current shepherds, the, the leaders of Israel today, that those, those who had gone before him were not true shepherds. And they were not the shepherds that could provide life. 
And in verse 9, he, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Here is another one of those I am statements. I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. In contrast to the wicked sh- shepherds, Jesus is the only shepherd who is the way for the sheep to enter the fold safely that leads to salvation. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. It's similar to John fourteen six, where Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. All who go through Jesus Christ will be saved. Jesus promises that if anyone enters through him as the door, they will become sheep who are known by him. He will know their name and they will know his voice. And he says, anyone who comes. John 10.9 is the promise that if any come to Christ... He will open the door of salvation. In verse 10, the sheep in Jesus' fold enjoy protection. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The sheep in Jesus' fold enjoy his protection from those who would destroy them. But not only do they enjoy his protection... More importantly, they enjoy what true life is. Being in the sheepfold of the true and only shepherd. Again, John 14, 6, I am not just the way, I am also the life. They find life in Christ. We find life in Christ. James Boyce speaks about what abundant life is in John 10. He says this, The abundant life, as Scripture speaks of it, is above all the contented life, in which contentment comes from the confidence that God is equal to every emergency and does indeed supply all our genuine needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Life of the shelf in the hands of a good shepherd. There may be dangers. In fact, there will be dangers. There may be storms at times, even drought and famine. Still, in the hands of a good shepherd, the sheep is content and life is bountiful. That's what he means by abundant life in John 10.10. And to know Jesus Christ and to be known by him truly, truly is abundant life. Jesus is the true shepherd He is the only shepherd who can give us life. And in verses 11 through 18, number my third point is Jesus is the good shepherd who loves his sheep and dies for them. In verse 11, here is another I am statement. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. This this passage verse from verse 1 has been leading up to this statement right here. I am the good shepherd. Those men standing over there who mistreated the blind man, who cast 
the blind man out of the synagogue. And most likely the blind man was standing next to Jesus, listening to these words. Jesus says to them, I am the good shepherd. You have no idea what shepherding is until you look at me. I am the good shepherd. I can honestly say I know of no more comforting verse, description of Jesus than what he says about himself here. I am the good shepherd. Verses 1 through 10 just prepare us for this statement. In verse 2, he is the shepherd of the sheep. In verse 3, he leads them and he calls them by name. In verse 4, we belong to him. We are his own. Three times in this passage, he says we are his own. We belong to him. In verse 5, he says we know his voice. In verse 7, he says he is the door of protection. In verse 9, he is the door to salvation. And in verse 10, he is the provider of abundant life to those who are his. That is the good shepherd. The good shepherd, though, goes even further because in verse 11, it says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Four times in these eight Verses 11 through 18, Jesus declares that he will lay down his life, that he lays down his life for his sheep. Oh, that is a good shepherd. Back in Middle Eastern days when they were, when shepherds were caring for their sheep, like you remember David who would protect the sheep from the lion and the bear, the shepherds would be willing to give their life up if necessary to protect the sheep. Now they wouldn't want to because they who would shepherd the sheep it wasn't as though they were just going around looking for a way to die but they would be willing to lay down their life for the sheep here Jesus isn't just willing to lay down his life for a sheep he is going to lay down his life for the sheep that is his plan in contrast to a hired hand who will not protect the sheep Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He does not own the sheep. But 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that we were bought with a price. Christ owns us. We belong to him. Jesus tells us in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Again, we are owned by him. He knows us and we know him. That is what makes him such a good shepherd. And in verse 15 through 17, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. What a, what a wonderful statement about the, not just the Jewish nation that is Christ has come for, but the world, the Gentile world as well, that there are others out there that Jesus has come for. 
This is, this is a, a passage of hope, of gospel hope, that anyone who comes to Christ in verse 9, comes to the door, will be saved. And here, anyone can come, anyone in the world. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. There will be one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Why does Jesus so willingly lay down his life? Why four times does he declare that he lays down his life? It's because of his relationship with the Father. It's because of his relationship with the Father and the love that they have for one another. It's precisely because of this love that they have for one another that Jesus is willing to sacrifice his life for ours. This is a love that existed in eternity past. It wasn't a love of recent times. It was a love that existed in eternity past. And it is a love that is expressed in a way that Jesus is willing, because of his love for the Father, he's willing to die for the sheep. He's willing to express his love for his Father by being obedient and submissive. Now, the love for the Father wouldn't have changed if Jesus hadn't died for us. It wasn't dependent upon Jesus dying that God would love his son. Because you can remember back earlier when Jesus is baptized and he comes out of the water and God says, this is my son whom I love, whom I am well pleased. No, God and, and the son loved each other from all eternity. And as an, an outpouring and an expression of that love, he sent his son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And Jesus, in his love for the Father, lays down his life for the sheep. As the Father so loves the world, so Jesus does as well. And here is, in my mind, the greatest irony of all. The good shepherd becomes the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And rather than you and I being sheep led to slaughter, Jesus willingly lays down his life by going to the cross that we might become his own sheep, known by him personally, knowing him and giving us abundant life. Jesus willingly chooses to die for the sheep because he loves us and he cares for us. In verse 18, Jesus says, No one takes it from me. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Throughout this gospel, we have read in verse 518, 21, 735, 7:32, 7:44, 8:20, and 8:59, all the times that the Pharisees tried to arrest and kill Jesus, and they never could. They had absolutely no success. And Jesus in this verse makes it clear as to why. He alone has the authority to lay down his life. No one can take his life from him. God's perfect plan of Christ's crucifixion was set at a perfect time. 
And it was set to the time that God the Father had this charge I have received from my Father. Jesus knew when he would lay down his life. Jesus knew that these men could not take his life. But he chose to lay down his life. And he has the authority to take it back up again. What an amazing display of God's love and God's sacrifice and sovereignty on behalf of his sheep. And because he has the authority to lay down his life, he does have the authority to take it up again by rising from the dead. The resurrection is proof positive that he has the authority. And so if he has this authority to lay it down and he has this authority to take it up, what an amazing statement to say, I lay down my life. There was no coercion. There was no forcing by the Father. Jesus, out of love, from a shepherd's heart, lays down his life for you. Having risen from the dead, the author of Hebrews calls Jesus the great shepherd. Jesus is the true shepherd. He is the only shepherd. And he is our good and great shepherd. In him, we not only have abundant life, brothers and sisters, but we have eternal life. Do you see him as a good shepherd? Are your pastures green? Do you follow him to still waters? Do you believe he is with you in the valley of the shadow of death? Sheep are never aware of what the shepherd has protected them from. They're sheep. Not dumb. Not stupid. Ignorant of what's going on, yes. They know the shepherd's voice. They trust the shepherd. They follow him. And although the sheep experience hunger and thirst and cold and heat and pain, they're not aware of the dangers that surround them. Although they know his voice, they know the voice of the shepherd and the green pastures he leads them to, they're still not aware of the dangers that surround them. They trust him. They follow his voice wherever he leads them. My friends, we too live in a dangerous world. And we know hunger. We know thirst. We know pain. And we know cold. Definitely cold. We know heat. And we know suffering. Now when we do experience these things, Jesus has just told us he is with us. He's with us in the valley of the shadow of death. He is with us as he leads us into green pastures. He is with us as we lay down beside still waters. He is with us because we are his own. He has bought us with a price. We are his own and we follow him. He knows his own. We know his voice. And he knows us by name. And he will never leave us like a hired hand. Brothers and sisters, we have a sovereign and powerful good shepherd who loves us. How many times has he protected us from dangers we never knew existed? 
how often has he provided us provided something for us before we even knew we had a need? How often has he rescued us at just the right moment when we were not even aware we needed to be rescued? He is the true shepherd. He is the only shepherd. And he is the good shepherd. Ezekiel 34, as it closes that chapter, Ezekiel prophesies these words. He speaks for God saying this, and you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. Father, thank you that you are our shepherd, that you know us by name, and that you speak and we know your voice. Lord, I pray for those here this morning who who feel as though your voice is distant or unintelligible, that you would give them ears to hear this morning, that they would hear your voice and be able to follow after you. And Lord, for those who are not in your sheepfold, I pray you would draw them to yourself, that they may come to know you and your voice. And Lord, I pray finally that everyone here would feel the love and pleasure of the shepherd who has laid down his life for them. In Jesus' name.